Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. If you've ever gotten sick and wondered, what can I do to feel better as quickly as possible? The answer is take vitamin C. Scientists say that taking vitamin C daily can help you recover from illnesses and infections two times faster. A recent study showed that hospitalized patients suffering from a serious respiratory infection recovered twice as fast when they took vitamin C. And patients were able to go home seven days sooner than patients who weren't being given this vitamin. Pretty incredible, right? With so many respiratory infections floating around today, vitamin C is a must-have supplement to keep on hand for when you inevitably catch something or if you're dealing with kind of allergy-like symptoms as well, vitamin C is really helpful for that. But you have to know that not all vitamin C supplements are created equal. If you're taking vitamin C in capsule, powder, or tablet form, you're missing out on the key immunity benefits. Vitamin C is hard to absorb, so most supplements pass through your body without ever helping your immune system. A quality vitamin C supplement that I recommend is made by a company called Purality Health. They have a patented vitamin C formula that utilizes something called liposomal technology to help nutrients absorb 800% more effectively than standard supplements. Each bottle of their vitamin C delivers increased absorption far better than standard vitamin C supplements, and it comes packed with extra nutrients like vitamin E, and it's backed by a 180-day satisfaction guarantee. And today, they're offering 30% off to my listeners. Visit PurityHealth.com and use the coupon DRJ to save 30% on your order. The next time you're sick, you'll be grateful you did this. Again, Visit Purality Health, that's P-U-R-A-L-I-T-Y-H-E-A-L-T-H.com and use the coupon code D-R-J for 30% off today. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's interview is Fast Like a Girl with my host, Dr. Mindy Pels. She's got a big YouTube following, a great podcast, the Resetter Podcast, and she just wrote this new book, Fast Like a Girl. And we talk all about the best intermittent fasting strategies for females. If you're menstruating, uh, when you should be fasting, like a good time to fast to support your hormones, a time when you shouldn't be fasting, how to optimize your estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone levels for optimal health and well-being. And we talk all about the best foods, certain foods that actually help support estrogen, certain foods that really support progesterone levels and how to get rid of things like PMS, menstrual cramping, uh, different issues like that, different issues associated with that. We also talk for you menopausal ladies, we talk about what to do during menopause, how to set up a fasting schedule, how to vary your diet properly and support your gut microbiome when you're going through menopause so you can not have the unwanted symptoms, the hot flashes, the weight gain, the low libido, 
So if you follow these strategies that we're going to talk about, you're going to see results. And guys, you're going to love this book, Fast Like a Girl. You can find it on Amazon or you can go to drmindypels.com and check it out there. You're going to love this podcast. And also please share this with anybody that you know and that you care about. And if you have not left us a five-star review, please do that. When you leave us a review, it helps us reach more people and impact more lives with this message. With that said, let's go into the show, guys. Well, Dr. Mindy, always great to connect with you. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I I, I, I had so much joy when I saw you on my schedule this morning. I'm like, oh my God, I love geeking out with you about all things health. So uh, happy to be back. Absolutely. You're one of my favorite people to talk to. Part partially because you just like myself are a fasting evangelist yes. and uh, we've seen remarkable breakthroughs with people that we've worked with and, and including ourselves and so we're huge advocates of fasting and but I love your book fast like a girl and it's it's actually really important that you wrote this book because you know there's many fasting books out there I have one the fasting transformation yeah. that where we talk about all the great benefits of fasting strategies for how to do it the research behind it but one of the most common questions is, I'm a woman. I heard that fasting is bad for my hormones. I can't fast. You know, a lot of people are out there. They just think I can't fast. I have a thyroid issue. I have an adrenal issue. And there are caveats, right? It's not like you just go full bore into fasting and uh, there's kind of an art to it. And you really, you really laid that out in your book, Fast Like a Girl. So let's get into that. What's different about fasting when you are a female? Yeah. I think the easiest way to understand this is you have to look at how men and women are hormonally driven very differently. So men, you have testosterone that primarily drives you and testosterone is made in the testes and it goes up to the brain and converts into estrogen. So when we look at lifestyle, you really have to focus in just on testosterone. If you can dial in testosterone, estrogen is going to follow. Whereas women, we've got estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone to think about, all of which are made in the ovaries, the adrenals, and peripheral tissues. So that makes it so that we've got to understand the personalities of these hormones and what kind of lifestyle they that we have to match to these three hormones. And what's really interesting is that estrogen and progesterone, I think of them like twin sisters. You know, they like look the same, they have the same name, we kind of categorize them the same, but when it comes to lifestyle, we have to treat them vastly different because they have different personalities. So like estrogen does great when you when you fast. Estrogen is very forgiving of cortisol. So if you want to push your workouts, if you want to push and go into a three-day water fast, if you want to stay up all night uh, to meet a deadline, as when estrogen's coming in, no problem. Progesterone, she's completely the opposite. The week before our periods, we are actually more insulin resistant. Our, the, our body tries to bring glucose up in order to make progesterone. And if cortisol is high during that time, progesterone's going to be shy and she's gonna, she's not gonna make her appearance. So because of those two hormones, we have to look at fasting differently. And I think that was the part of the conversation that was missing, that mm. that we just weren't, what I saw out in the media was everybody was saying women shouldn't fast, women shouldn't do keto. And, you know, as you know, there's just 
there's just no absolutes in in uh, healthcare. There is an a, a path for every individual person, but we have to start as women to look at every single lifestyle tool we use through our hormonal lens. And those two hormones don't play by the same rules. Yeah, it's really important to know estrogen and progesterone and when your body is producing more estrogen and when your body is producing more progesterone. So when we look at the menstrual cycle, that the first phase is the um, follicular phase, right? And the second phase is the luteal phase. And then you have ovulation in the middle there. And so which hormones are predominant at which phase? Yeah. So in, in the book, what I did is because, you know, the follicular, luteal, all of that gets lost on the lay person. So <laughs> I was like, let's just call them what yeah. they are. And so I call the times when hormones are a little bit low and also one of the times when when estrogen is building, I call them the power phases because they power, estrogen is, a, is an extroverted hormone. She is going to mm. make you verbally process more. She's going to make you want to go out into the world and, and uh, accomplish anything you want to accomplish. She's the, she's the party hormone. And she is coming in in that follicular phase. So day one to day 10 is when estrogen is building. And so you can do your longer fast. You can go keto. It's a, in fact, I encourage you to. Um, and then as we move into ovulation, that five-day period from about day 11 to day 15, um, we've got estrogen at her peak. So she's at her glory. And then we have testosterone coming in and a little bit of progesterone. So there's a switch that needs to happen with our lifestyle mm -hmm. there. I even feel like our workouts should shift in the, during ovulation. I mean, uh, we should put our focus more on our liver and our gut because they're going to break those hormones down. So that five-day period has its own unique set of lifestyle rules. And then you come out of ovulation and you have another dip in hormones. So you can go back. I called that the power phase two. You can go back into some longer fast. You can do your extreme uh, workouts. But once we hit day 19, 20, progesterone is coming in. And this is where we need to slow down. We need to focus on recovery. We need to bring in glucose, bring her a little bit higher. And what, what is so interesting to me is that you ask any woman and she will tell you, yeah, the week before my period, mm. like, I just want to sit on the couch. I don't really feel like working out. I'm craving carbs. I'm hungry all the time. And, and I want some chocolate. Well, if you look at the structure of those behaviors, chocolate has magnesium, progesterone needs magnesium, and you need glucose to be higher. So you're getting more of those hunger urges, and especially in, with carbohydrates, in order to make progesterone. But in generally, and I'm saying this as I, you know, sort of representing women, but it, it's really true that we bitch and moan that we crave carbs. We don't want to work out, but that's because that's what progesterone is demanding. So they have really different uh, ways in which they motivate us and drive us to do different behaviors. And once we tap our lifestyle in there, I mean, fasting is only one piece of this, this conversation. Um, <clears throat> but once we tap our lifestyle into understanding those two differences, now you're putting a woman back into hormonal sync with what these hormones, how these hormones want to be treated. Yeah, this is so important and and very, very practical. My wife, she does like a one-day fast just like I do, uh, typically every Wednesday. And um, 
she, uh, this Wednesday, right now we're doing this interview. It's a Friday. So this past Wednesday, she was like, I just feel really like, usually it's easy for her. Right. And she's like, I just feel really like really snacky. And, and I just feel like I'm, I'm craving stuff. And I was like, well, you're probably, cause I remember she actually did a three day fast two weeks ago. And, and that was right when she started her cycle. I had her harder wait till she started her, her cycle. So she started menstruating. Then she started her three day fast. Cause we had gotten back from Mexico and, um, you know, we, we were at, an, at kind of a, a resort that was all inclusive. So she was yeah. like, when I get home, <laughs> she's like, I'm eating foods I don't normally eat. So when I get home, I'm going to do a three day fast. So I'm like, okay, yeah. well, we'll just time it out for that first day of your cycle, which she did. She had no issues with it. Went great. Um, but I realized I was like, oh, it's about two weeks, two weeks. So I'm like, you're probably ovulating. You're probably right around your ovulation. Yeah. She looked at her, her planner and she's like, oh yeah, tomorrow. And I was like, oh, I was like, don't do a fast today. I was like, wait till that's you're you're past that. Wait till you're at like day 16 or so. Perfect. Like, oh, okay. She was happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You get yeah. And so so this is that's perfection, what you just did. And I this is what I want every woman to know is that we shouldn't be doing anything the same way every day of the of the month. So that goes for workouts, that goes for, you know, the foods we eat. And when you look at that ovulation window that you were discussing with your wife is because these three hormones are coming in, you don't really want to go you don't want to stimulate autophagy is the bottom line. Because with autophagy comes a bit of a detox. It comes the apoptosis where you're getting rid mm -hmm. of um, dysfunctional cells. And when the hormones are high, you're also seeing, I don't know how old she is, but the closer we get it or the more we move into our 40s, we're seeing yeah, 41. So yeah. Yep. So we're seeing a lot of toxins that are going to be dumped from the stored mm. tissues. You know, lead, for example, gets stored in the bones. And so when hormones go up, um, it signals to release lead from the bones. And then, you know, in the perimenopausal years, we'll end up with estrogen high and then estrogen low. And then estrogen high, it's like this roller coaster. So if you throw in a 24 hour fast, uh, you're stimulating autophagy. Mm, now you've got yourself a, a, a double issue where you may be getting rid of toxins at an accelerated rate that's not going to make you feel very good. And then you also have to remember that progesterone comes in during ovulation. So progesterone doesn't want cortisol up and wants a little more glucose. So I recommend 15 hours max during that time. Don't go more than that. But that that's a perfect example of where you, you know, you're doing one thing and she needs to do something different because you're living in two different hormonal bodies. Yeah, it's it's so true. And and uh, I know as a man, it's I can pretty much follow a like I, I follow pretty a pretty rigid schedule with my my fasting, with my exercise and you know, as long as I'm sleeping okay and right keeping stress under control, I I really have no issues with that. Whereas, you know, with my wife, I've seen that over the years where it's like certain times her fast is a lot easier, certain times she feels stronger when we're because we work out together. And sometimes she doesn't feel as strong, right? She feels yeah. weaker, um, you know, just a little bit more inflamed at times, you know. And so, um, so there's definitely a lot of differences there. And so my question on that is. Does she understand that the difference is the difference in hormones? Yeah, she, I, I've told her she's got to read this book, right? So to understand it, because I try to, I explain it to her. She's like, oh, that's interesting. 
Um, but I don't know that she has, you know, she doesn't have the knowledge that I do. And, um, but I, I've, I have tried to explain that to her. So she is, so she's doing a better job of just reading her body, you know, and, and listening to that feedback. And I think that's, you know, that's the key. I mean, ultimately yeah. understanding your body, I mean, really the, the way to master your health, it's, it's kind of like getting a master's degree in your own, you know, in, in your body. Right. And, uh, that's a degree you'll, you'll carry with you for the rest of your life is understanding yeah. your own biorhythms and your book really helps with that. So that's the key. And I, I love how you explain how these power phases, right? Because, you know, particularly, um, you know, there's certain times then again, like you talked about where you can go through the, more of an extended fast. And then I know you talked about kind of that ovulatory cycle where all those hormones are up, right? And that's a good time to build muscle too for yes. a female. Yes. So, so what I, what I want to elevate the conversation to on everything around hormones is that as women, we are hormonally different every single day. So this is really important because we want ourselves to be the same every day. We're like, I want joy. I want energy. I want mental clarity. I want that every day of the month. But unfortunately, hormonally, we were not designed to be that way. We're designed to be more extroverted and, and do more outgoing things and to build muscle at different times of the cycle. And we're meant to be more reclusive and more inner. Um, but the world hasn't really caught up to that. So instead of us understanding ourselves, what we do is we shame ourselves or we guilt ourselves. Mm. Like, you know, and especially if you're doing it with a with like your husband, you know, there's this like, oh, why can't I lose weight like him? Why can't I work out like him? But hormonally, you weren't meant to. So I I, I want to start there with with that part. And and I'm trying to give women you know, a pass to relieve themselves of the guilt that we have put on ourselves because we aren't, we're trying to be the same every day of the month. The second part of what you said that I think is so important is, and this is something that I don't know why the fitness industry hasn't caught on to this, but in a 28 day cycle, a woman has the most amount of testosterone from day 10 to day 15 and testosterone is going to help you build muscle. So why aren't we leaning in to more muscle building? Muscle is really important, especially as you go through perimenopause and menopause. You're going to have to fight for muscle as you age more. So why don't we start to, when we have our cycle, use that ovulatory period to build muscle? Mm. Um, we look at exercise on a weekly uh, schedule. I think uh, women should look at it on a monthly schedule. And then we, and then like progesterone should be our recovery period. This is more of our yoga and our Pilates, but maybe we go hiking. And then our, our cycle starts after a couple of days, then we should be pushing our workout, more HIIT training, more plyometrics. So once you understand the rhythm, you can apply anything to it. Hey, I just wanted to take a moment and tell you about a new product that I've been taking every single morning. It's from our friends over at Paleo Valley. It's called Neuro Effect. And it is a neuro supportive blend of eight full spectrum mushroom extracts and whole coffee fruit extract. It's designed to help boost up brain derived neurotropic factor, BDNF, which is like miracle grow for your brain cells. It has got lion's mane mushroom, well-renowned for its effect on the brain. It's got reishi mushroom, which is phenomenal for your immune system. It also helps with calming your brain and helping you sleep more effectively. 
It has got Chaga as well as Cordyceps in there, which are phenomenal for energy and for mental clarity. It also has turkey tail mushroom and maitake, which are amazing for your immune system as well. So this product also has a whole fruit, has whole coffee fruit extract, only two milligrams of caffeine, but whole coffee fruit extract actually boosts your BDNF levels 4.3 times greater than if you were actually drinking coffee itself. I mean, we all know that coffee helps improve your energy or mental clarity, but it's the whole organic coffee fruit extract that has the most powerful effect on your brain without the downside of caffeine. That's what you get in this neuro effect product. So I've been taking this on a regular basis to support my brain health, my immune system. I take it in the morning and you can try it now too. I've negotiated with Paleo Valley to make sure that you guys get 15% off this product. It's called Neuro Effect. You can find it at paleovalley.com. Use the coupon code JOCKERS to get 15% off today. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And in your book, you also talk about certain foods that are, you know, estrogen foods, progesterone foods, which I found really interesting as well. Yeah. So that was another like funny thing that has emerged in the in the world, which is women shouldn't do keto. So, mm. you know, again, we're back trying to find absolutes and with with our lifestyle, our health habits. And, you know, I don't think there's an absolute for men or women. There's an N of one and a personalized path, which I think you and I are both yeah. a thousand percent in alignment with. But with women, there's even more so. Um, so when we look at the two foods, estrogen likes glucose to be low. So keto is great. Do it when estrogen is coming in. In the book, I map it out and call it ketobiotic because I don't think it's ever healthy for a woman to go so low in keto that she's leaving vegetables out of the picture because we got to feed the microbiome so that it can break estrogen down. So I my version of keto is 50 grams net carbs um, because I think we women need a little more carbohydrates. Um, and also for thyroid production, we can we can chat about thyroid here in a moment. Mm -hmm. um, so when estrogen's coming in, go more keto, lean more into those vegetables. Um, and then when progesterone comes in, we've got to bring glucose up. So that is ovulation and that is the week before our cycle. But this, this doesn't mean like you sit on the couch, you need a box of pizza and a tub of ice cream. This means you really bring back in the fruits, you bring in the squashes. Uh, one, of the, one of the key food groups that supports uh, progesterone is tropical fruits, bananas, papayas, mangoes. Well, you talk to anybody who's doing the ketogenic diet, they've given that up years ago. But for women, we've got to bring that back in when we need to build progesterone at ovulation in the week before our cycle. We need to bring in the sweet potatoes, the potatoes. We need to bring in the squashes. Uh, and that doesn't mean we leave meat out of the equation. You know, grass-fed meats are also really helpful. But we have to, again, start to look at the changes in diet according to the changes in hormones, which... I don't, I don't know why it's taken us till 2023 to have this discussion. We've had hormones yep. forever. Yeah, exactly. Well, people like you and I have been talking about diet variation, just kind of varying the diet and how that can be so helpful. Um, I know I've been an advocate in the keto space. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that are <clears throat> anti-fruit, 
<clears throat> but I've been an advocate of fruit really for the structured water that's in it, mm. right? Mm. So the structured water that really helps cell-to-cell -cell communication, mitochondrial dynamics that are in there. Obviously, you can consume too much sugar, especially if you're not moving and things like that. But there are certain times where, you know, especially if you have gone through periods of, of low-carb keto and you're insulin sensitive, where getting some extra fruit in um, in certain seasons too, like in the, in the summertime, where having some of that extra electrolytes and structured water can be so beneficial and then timing it out around, you know, the amount of exercise you're doing, the time in your cycle, um, you can really, really maximize the benefits there. Yeah. When you look at just the, from the microbiome lens, yeah. you know, there's a lot of debate. It's, I, I always think that we have to remind ourselves that the study of the microbiome is still in its infancy. And so, but what we do know is we have somewhere between six to 7,000 different species of, of bacteria in our gut. So if we're going keto eating or even carnivore, and I'm not anti-carnivore, I think there's a time and place for it. But what we end up doing is creating this monoculture where we're just feeding this small group of bacteria. But when we look at what these hormones, we need to do with these hormones, we have to remember that producing a hormone is one thing. But we got to break that hormone down and the gut and the liver do that. And then we got to mm -hmm. get it into the cell, which means your good mm -hmm. fats and you're getting detoxing and getting those toxins out. There are three steps to getting an, an, uh, the hormone to activate the cell. So what I saw was we get women that are eating the same thing over and over and over again at the same point of her cycle. And it just starts to leave all this, the, the hormones out of the, the uh, equation. Plus it starts to really create this monoculture in our bacteria. So diversification is the name of the game. I mean, one of the things wow. I do when I, when I go to a restaurant as I look at the menu and I, the first question I ask myself is what am I not eating? What is mm -hmm. on this menu that I don't eat regularly? And, and then I think about, you know, now I'm, I'm 53, so I'm six months into no cycle. But when I had a cycle, I would look and say, okay, what part of the phase uh, am I at of my cycle? And I would match those two together make, to make my dinner choice. Think about what yeah. everybody else does. They're like, what am I in the mood to eat? I think of it through yeah. a different lens. Yeah, it's a really great question to ask yourself. What am I not eating a lot of? Because a lot of times when you're at a restaurant, they'll have certain unique foods, right? Certain yeah. culinary foods or, um, you know, ethnic foods based on the type of restaurant you're at that, you know, I know when we go, like when we go to the grocery store, we have four young kids and they're usually with us. And so it's like, we're not, we don't have time or the, the mental space to, to try to, get a lot of new things. So we're usually just throwing all the same stuff in. So it's a really great idea to start thinking outside the box like that. I love that. Now, I will say that, you know, and I've said this for years, like the, the hardest demographic to get to do, you know, some sort of an intermittent fasting lifestyle is that young, lean, menstruating female who typically has young kids and they're also they may have a full-time job or, you know, or homeschooling or whatever it is. They're super busy and they're exercising, right? And they're just going full throttle. And it's really, really hard to get them doing any sort of intermittent fasting in a healthy and safe way, right? Now you give a really good guide in your book. And so what are some of the, uh, the strategies and the advice that you would offer for, for a woman in that position? Well, so the first thing to realize is that 
there's nothing more time efficient than fasting. So, so if you have that busy lifestyle, you know, in that exact scenario, we, what I find with those women is they're like, well, I'm up making lunches or I'm up like making breakfast for my kids. And I just start eating because they're eating. Well, if you start to realize the impact that fasting has on helping you be able to do what I call that rushing woman lifestyle, where you're like, maybe you're working, you got kids, you're trying to balance both of those, having some ketones to supercharge your brain um, and and bring your energy up and bring GABA up so you're a little calmer um, is really a helpful tool. So the first thing to realize is that it may actually enhance your busy lifestyle. So, and then the second thing is if we do do it to the cycle, then there tends to be more of a flow that fits with your hunger levels. So, so many women tell me that the week before their periods, they're so hungry. And yet the rest of the cycle, they actually have been able to fast a little bit better, do the more of the intermittent fasting, skip breakfast. So if you understand, oh, okay, just in at the most simple level, day one through day 19, we're just going to keep it really simple. I'm going to intermittent fast 13 to 15 hours. That works for me. But then when hunger comes in because progesterone needs me to bring glucose up, then I'll have breakfast with my kids. Then I'll, I'm, it's okay if I snack as I'm making lunches. So, and then what ends up happening is when my cycle starts, I don't have all the cramping. I don't have the heavy clotting that we're seeing mm. in a lot of women because I've t- I've taken care of progesterone. And then when you go into making sure that you're intermittent fasting in the right times of the cycle, you don't have the brain fog. You don't have the crash at three in the afternoon. So I think we have to look at, at it not as deprivation, but actually as a tool to fuel this busy lifestyle that you're living. It's it's just a different lens in which to look at it as opposed to, oh my God, I can't do that. It sounds like too hard, but what if it actually made your life easier? Yeah, it's a really good perspective on it. And so when women do have a lot of these menstrual cramps, a lot of PMS-like symptoms, that can be related to not supporting progesterone enough. Exactly. So it, you bring up such a good point. So, you know, and I, and I know you know this because we've been in healthcare a long time, oh. but PMDD, okay, premenstrual mm-hmm. uh, disorder, like that's a new phrase. I can tell you when I was a teenager in my 20s, we didn't have that phrase. So to me, that is the week before your cycle, but then we also have the the cramping and the clotting that w- we never had back in the, uh, I'll date myself here, but back in the eighties and, you know, Mm. you just didn't, you didn't, women didn't talk like that. So we have to realize that what's happening to women right now is that we are at an evolutionary mismatch with our modern life. So our modern life has more physical, emotional, and chemical stressors than ever before. And when we're not minding where we are in the cycle, especially that week before, uh, we are going to end up with some serious cramping challenges that happen, clotting, heavy periods that happen in that first week. So what I've noticed is if we just take care of progesterone the week before our periods, we slow down. We eat more carbs. We don't fast. We don't push our workouts. 
doesn't mean you can't work out. Just don't push it to a new level. Mm. We start saying no to more things. Once we start to bleed, now all of a sudden our, that first couple of days of our menstrual cycle is easy. And, and I swear, you know, one of the gifts of my YouTube channel has been I taught this to so many women and millions at this point have given me feedback that, yes, this works. So when we start to see these hormonal challenges, we have to ask, where am I living out of balance with my feminine body? And we also then have to take it one step further and realize that the modern world has us on this really fast pace that is contributing to the problems that we're seeing hormonally now. Yeah, super important. So what you're saying is for a woman, it's really important. Like you might be able to handle a certain higher level of stress, I guess you could say, or a certain stress load for the first three weeks of your cycle. But that last week, it's really important to prioritize good sleep, keep your stress under control, and we know fasting, even though we call it a hormetic stressor because it actually makes us stronger, more stress resilient, it is still a stressor. So it's yeah. something that we don't want to lean into uh, in that last week. Same with exercise, a hormetic stressor, but not something we really want to lean into. Same thing if you're doing cold plunges or perhaps even getting into like a really hot sauna. These are all things you can do, but not you don't want anything that's going to overwhelm or overstress your system. Yeah. I'm so happy you brought up the cold plunge because we have like a whole world that's cold plunging. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, when I saw that trend happening I was like, okay, where hormonally do we need to think about that being appropriate and not, not appropriate. So when we look at cold plunges, there is a cortisol release, you know, it, yeah. it does bring cortisol up. So it's not a great activity to do the week before your period to your point. Same thing with sauna. But the but then if you look at what the benefits of cold plunging are, is this dopamine release. Well, estrogen and dopamine go hand in hand. So whenever estrogen is coming in, she's going to activate dopamine. So if you add a cold plunge into that, you're going to get a heightened dopamine response. Now you give a cold plunge to a perimenopausal woman who has really seen the loss of estrogen and therefore she doesn't have that precursor to dopamine and serotonin. Okay, if she still has a cycle, cold plunges become incredibly helpful just if she, if she still has a cycle, she still has to mind when progesterone is coming in. Mm. So it you start to see that everything should be timed to these hormones. And as the biohacking world has gotten more prolific with all the, the tools, my brain has been like, okay, what do we need to know about where this fits for our hormones? We, we are not meant to do all of this like men. We're meant to have a, a different lane but you got to understand what each biohack is doing and how it matches to where you are hormonally. Yeah, so important because these stressors over time make us stronger and more resilient if we're timing them out properly and getting the, the right dose. Yep. Again, we don't want an overwhelming dose. We yep. want an appropriate dose that stresses our body, but also, you know, again, doesn't overwhelm us. It's a stressor that we can adapt to. And of course, like you said, those first three weeks, we're going to have a greater adaptability than that last week. So that last week, we, we we cut back on all of those things. And then through each cycle, we actually get stronger. We get more, more resilient. So if right. you time this out right, six months from now, you're significantly more stress resilient. You've got more healthy mitochondria that are adapting to stress in your body. 
than you were, you know, now, right? In a sense, yeah. right? It's just yeah. a matter of practicing this and practicing it appropriately. Yeah, you bring up such a good point. And this is something that I don't want to lose in the conversation, which each month you have another opportunity to match your food, your fast, your workouts, your lifestyle to your hormonal needs. And what's beautiful about the body is that once you sync your lifestyle up with your hormones, it takes about what I'm noticing is somewhere between 30 to 90 days for you to get that rhythm. It's We're not talking years and years and years. Um, one of the things that shocked me when I was discovering the different patterns, especially around fasting and food for the hormonal cycle, was how many women in my clinic and in my online world were struggling getting pregnant. And they were told either you have too much, you're holding on to too much weight, or they were about to spend $20,000, $30,000 on infertility treatment. And once I taught them what we're talking about, the rhythm of their hormones, so many of them within 30 days got pregnant. I was just, I just saw a review on, on the book the other day where a woman's like, literally in 30 days, I followed her fasting cycle and I got pregnant. Yeah. So yeah. we have to go back and look at like these common things that are happening, like infertility and go, okay, what is that? Is that, do we all have some genetic ob obscure situation that's preventing us from getting pregnant? No, we are more, as each year goes by, this modern world we're living in is pulling women specifically further and further away from her natural hormonal rhythm. When you bring that back, something that's as daunting as infertility or as expensive as infertility could be really helped by just coming back to food and fasting. These ancient healing strategies that we can use to just bring some foundational uh, hormonal base base back to our lives. And now we're able to get pregnant. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens. I know my wife, I met her when we were both 32 at the time and she was told because she had endometriosis in her twenties, had a surgery and everything. And she was told she would have a hard time getting pregnant. Well, we got married, didn't take long. Six weeks later, we conceived with twins and, uh, you know, we have four, four young children at this point. So, um, and she had terrible, terrible PMS, terrible menstrual cramping. When I first met her, she would spend a day in the, you know, in, in a hot bath. Right. Yep. And, uh, by the time we got married, she was significantly better. Right. So yeah. it was mild, mild issues. And now she almost notices nothing. Like basically she's like, Oh, there's my cycle, you know, and then that's, that's how it. it should be. I, I just want people to know that is how it should be. But the problem that we have is it's so common for women to have really painful cycles that just because it's common doesn't mean yeah. that's what your, your body's supposed to perform like. And when it yeah. comes to women's health, I feel like we have so many obscurities now. And what we're seeing is we just put labels on them like PMDD or PCOS. Um, and we just keep giving them fancy, uh, you know, titles, but all it is, is that we have lost sight of what normal is supposed to look like in the feminine body. And what you just said, that is normal. You should yeah. have your cycle start and it should be like, oh, didn't feel it coming. It should, you know, and when it comes, it should be easy to manage. It shouldn't maim you. And if it's those two things are not happening, we got to go back to looking foundationally at the lifestyle you're living to see if you're working with these hormones, not against them. This podcast is sponsored by Liver Health Formula from Pure Health Research. 
For anyone looking to ignite their fat-burning metabolism, boost their energy, and transform how they look and feel, they must start taking care of their liver. Your liver is your body's master detoxifier. It performs over 500 key functions in your body every single day. It's responsible for cleansing and removing thousands of harmful toxins, man-made chemicals, alcohol, and dangerous food additives and preservatives. And after decades of wear and tear, our livers slow down and they become sluggish. And this is why so many of us struggle with weight gain and feeling tired all the time. Fortunately, there's a simple all natural solution that I recommend. It's called Liver Health Formula. Liver Health Formula contains 12 powerful botanicals clinically proven to recharge and protect your liver at the cellular level. It helps restore your liver's detoxifying abilities. It boosts your energy levels and can kick your natural metabolism into high gear. It also works remarkably well to fight fatty liver, which is a silent epidemic affecting 100 million Americans. And right now, as a listener of our show, you can try Liver Health Formula completely risk-free and receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you're gonna receive a free 30-day supply of nano-powered omega-3. This powerful blend of omega-3 fatty acids supports a healthy heart and brain with four times better absorption thanks to this special nano delivery system. You're also getting four free eBooks to support every aspect of your health and longevity, regardless of age. Just go to getliverhelp.com forward slash jockers or call toll free at 800-282-1757 to claim your risk-free supply of liver health formula and all five bonus gifts. That's get liver help. So G E T L I V E R H E L P dot com forward slash jockers or call 800 282 1757. You're covered by their 365 day money back guarantee. So you have nothing to risk, but supplies are limited. So go head over to getliverhelp.com forward slash chalkers or call toll free at 800-282-1757 now to order liver health formula and claim your five free bonus gifts while you still can. That's getliverhelp.com forward slash chalkers or call 800-282-1757. Yeah, so critical. Like my wife, I mean, she basically went uh, 20 years without ever having, basically having terrible pain, right? All throughout her menstruation for 20 years and didn't know any different. Like she just thought that's how all women are. And yeah. she had to take, you know, live on ibuprofen in the bath for one to sometimes three days, right? During that period of time. Yeah. And a lot of women think that's just what happens. That's normal, right? And this yeah. is what they're told. And yep. like you're saying, it's not. And uh, it really doesn't take that long to correct this when you get things in balance. Yeah, you know, it's like the microbiome. I don't know if you ever saw one of the most interesting studies I saw in the microbiome was a guy in Britain, a, a journalist, took a stool test. And then he flew to Africa and lived with a tribe for three days and did ate everything they ate, lived exactly how they lived flew back and then took another stool test. And he found in three days that his whole microbial wow. um, profile completely changed just from that experience. So again, I think hormonally, the beautiful thing about hormones that I see is if you start to live in accordance with what these hormones need, 
it's only, it's short, 30 to 90 days. Mm -hmm. I, the infertility one continues to blow me away. I mean, these are women years, years that they've struggled to get pregnant. And then once they start eating and fasting and even supplementation, they start detoxing um, to their cycle now and exercising. Now, all of a sudden, they're immediately get pregnant. So an yeah. infertility is it's on the rise it's on the rise yeah absolutely yep oh. so it's a really big issue that that we're addressing now there's a lot of postmenopausal women that are listening and they're like well how does this apply to me yes. i don't have a cycle so yes. what are they supposed to do here so postmenopausal women you know i think that's another thing that kind of started to get a lot of um immediate attention right now and that's really that menopausal women are suffering and this is to me, yeah. there are three phases of menopause. We have perimenopause where the hormones are winding down. We have the transition year where your your brain especially is learning to adapt to the loss of estrogen and, and progesterone. Um, and then you have the postmenopausal time. What I want women over 40 to know, and this, you know, if you're 60 and you're listening to this, this still applies to you. But after 40, our lifestyle should change to encompass five different things. We need to start fasting if you haven't fasted and varying the fast if you have a cycle. If you're postmenopausal, we can talk about like a good variation here in a moment for that. You need to vary your foods. You need to feed your microbiome. You got to detox and you've got to really start to ebb and flow with the stress in your life and learn to take more mindfulness tools, learn to how you can slow life down. And if you don't do those five things, what will happen is menopause is brutal and things like hot flashes, weight gain, depression, anxiety stick with you, insomnia stick with you, you know, decades after you, you haven't had a cycle. So I want to bring women back to those five things if they're 65 and they're postmenopausal and they're still struggling with their health ask yourself if you've done those five things. Now, outside of that, because we don't have a cycle to map to, I think weekly variations can be interesting for the postmenopausal woman. And you can do a lot of different styles of weekly variations. So, you know, the 511 where you intermittent fast for five days, attach a keto life to that is great. One day a week, you want to stretch your fast um, so that you're really creating a hermetic stress that will get the body to improve and get rid of some senescent cells and tap into autophagy um, and do the one meal a day. Um, and then, and I think that one meal should be high in protein because postmenopausal women really need more protein. And then one day a week, you don't fast and you bring carbs up and you go more into your uh, those foods, the progesterone building foods that we talked about. I think that's a really good strategy. Outside of that, I really love getting a hormone test for these women because if all of a sudden your progesterone levels are really, really low, you may actually do a weekly variation like a 421 where you're doing two days a week, you're actually going more high carb. And one day a week, you're stretching that fast. And mm. four days a week, you're intermittent fasting. So we, we can move towards that weekly, more a little more like how men can look at this. But the reason to step out of fasting is really for progesterone. And most of the men, postmenopausal women that we've seen 
um, are incredibly low in progesterone. Yeah, that's really good to know. And uh, so it's it's definitely easier when you're able to do like a weekly schedule. It's easier to 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 um, just keep it kind of focused mentally. It's like okay, every Wednesday I do this, you know. Yes. But but with that said, I mean for for menstruating females, you got to keep track of that 28 day cycle, right? And once yes. you get going with it, it definitely gets easier. Now, sure. what are your thoughts on like the full moon? Because I I had read a while yes. back that like the full moon that women used to menstruate. I can't remember if it was like ovulate at, at the full moon or menstruate at the full moon. Do you know more about that? Yeah. So this is another interesting concept that I've been, I've uh, been teaching um, postmenopausal women is that if, if we go back to the primal days where we didn't have a lot of synthetic blue light, most of those women probably cycled around the same time. And it looked like at the new moon, was day one of their cycle and ovulation was the full moon. Mm. So if we want to use the moon to map out these strategies, I think it's a brilliant idea because, you know, we've been, if you think about like, so I'm 53, I'm going through this transition year. I started my cycle at 13. So 40 years of having a rhythm it just because I'm not having a cycle doesn't mean that there's not a rhythm. And so mapping your your bodily rhythm to the moon at that point can really be a guiding light. And where this makes the most sense to me is we have to look at the effects of blue light on, on a woman's menstrual cycle and the effects of us not getting out into the sun on a regular basis and getting out and eat. I mean, how many of us go out and even see the moon at night? So we've completely disconnected from nature. And I personally think that the postmenopausal years are an amazing time to come back to this mm. connection that we might have with something that we take for granted, like the ebbs and flows of the moon. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me because the moon has a big impact on a lot of things, on the ocean, right? Tide, yeah. on how, yeah. you know, on... Um, and just kind of how the ocean moves on so many different things in nature. So I would I would imagine that it has some impact, you know, on our menstrual menstrual cycle and and just different cycles in general. A lot of times people um, feel more alive, right? They feel um, ha- more wakefulness, right, when the full moon is out, right? Obviously, yep. that's a form of light, right? But a lot of times. Um, it gov- it helps to dictate behavior in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of myths out there too with it. But I mean, those every myth is um, is grounded probably in some truth, right? <laughs> yeah. It, and I, to that point, you know, I think one of one of the big messages that I want people to grab is that in our healthcare system, we've created these absolutes. Like it's like, I have this symptom, here's the diagnosis, here's the pill or the surgery to take care of mm. that. And it, I, 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 just for lack of better word, I look at that as more of a, a masculine approach to, to healthcare. And we've got to bring the feminine back to this mm. conversation. There's a lot of good that can exist in that, in that approach. But in the feminine world, there's a lot more ebbs and flows. And our menstrual cycle is an incredible example of that. And so when we look at something like the full moon, it's easy to dismiss it and go, Ah, uh, that sounds woo-woo. I don't really know about that. 
But let's start to bring that to me as a more feminine approach to our mm. food and fasting. And let's bring that together with this, you know, if you have this symptom, you get this diagnosis, this pill, and let's integrate the two. And once we integrate the two, now you're going to see that women are thriving in this healthcare system. But until we integrate those two, women are suffering in this in this healthcare system. For like, for example, uh, our cholesterol goes up the first half of our cycle. So if I meander in to my doctor's office and I get a blood test and my cholesterol's higher, does he or she ever ask me what part of my cycle I'm at? No. Or never. never. Or we know yeah. like uh, glucose goes up higher um, at the back half of our cycle. Right. So if we'd go in and we go into a blood test with our doctor, is it doesn't matter. Like if he's just doing a C or she's just doing a CBC, like are we asking women where they are in their cycles? And that's what I think needs to integrate with mm. this healthcare system now. Yeah, that's such an important point. Uh, this has been a wonderful interview. I mean, given us, given our, our audience so many great nuggets. And last thing in your book, you talk about several different types of fasts. Let's touch on that before we finish up here. Yeah, so I lay out six different length fasts. Um, and the reason I wanted to do that is that is what I saw work in my clinic. I saw working online and it's what science is showing. And so they range anywhere from 13 hours to 72 hours. I gave them all different names. Um, I can move through them pretty quickly uh, yeah. just so everybody knows uh, and, and what the mechanisms are. So intermittent fasting is 13 to 15 hours in my book. Um, and you're going to see growth hormone go up. You're going to see some testosterone go up, especially for men. And you start to see the body switch from a sugar burner over into this fat burning system. So you're going to get some ketones, which might upregulate GABA a little bit and calm you and, and really improve mental clarity. When we hit 17 hours, autophagy kicks in. It's the beginning of autophagy is around 17 hours. I think of autophagy as a dimmer switch, like it starts to turn on. But this is where the intelligence goes within the cell and it goes, okay, food's not coming. We need to be more efficient. So it'll get it'll recycle old cellular parts. It'll kick out bacteria and viruses, and it's it's really an enhancement of cellular health. It'll get rid of the senescent cells. It'll get rid of the of the rogue cells that might turn into cancer. So it's a beautiful length of fast to tap into. Twenty four hours, we re, we see intestinal stem cells show up, and they start to repair the gut. So this is great for women who have been on birth control. This is great for anybody who's been on steroids or antibiotics or have been eating really bad. You want to throw a 24-hour fast in once a week, every couple of weeks to repair the gut. 36 is, is what I call the fat burner reset. I think there's a misconception with fasting that, you know, you just start fasting, you lose weight. But some people are really stuck and you got to throw mm -hmm. a 36-hour fast in to really unstick that weight loss. It's, it's And when we see this over and over again, and then uh, 48 hours, you reset your whole dopamine system. The studies I put in the book are, are really profound that we actually see new dopamine receptor sites emerge when you've gone 48 hours without food, which means once we bring food back into the equation, we're going to enjoy food a little bit more. We're going to enjoy the simple things in our life a little bit more because we have more dopamine receptor sites. And then 72 hours is Walter Longo's, you know, he brought to us that you can reset your whole immune system. 
And I think that's a great fast once or twice a year to really get rid of the old and reset uh, everything because you're getting all those mechanisms that I just talked about. And what I wanted to do in Fast Like a Girl was take these six fasts and now let's show women how to use them because they're such powerful healing tools. Yeah, great, great summary there and really great job on this book. Guys, if you're listening to this podcast, you're interested in fasting and autophagy because I talk about it all the time. You're going to love this book, Fast Like a Girl. So definitely go get it. Even if you're a guy, get it for, um, for you know, obviously read it, read it for your spouse, your partner, read it for uh, a daughter, right? For yep. a family member. It's just really important information to know. And it's, it's, it's written in a way that's very easy. Uh, for the lay person out there. So I know most of my listeners, you guys are interested. You guys are nerds like me, interested in some of the heady words and and language. But uh, this is really written in a way that not only do you get a lot of that, but you also get it in a very easy to read, easy to understand manner. So Mindy did a wonderful job of this book. Any last words of inspiration for our audience here? Yeah, no, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, my goal, my last thing that I would say is my goal with this book is to open this conversation up that you and I just had. I think it's time that women start to look at the ebbs and flows of of their hormones and how to map a lifestyle to that. And I think the, that my last plea to women is really don't give up on yourself. Uh, you have been living in a world that has been looking for this one size fits all and you're not a one size fits all human. So once you learn to ebb and flow with your hormones, you will see just how powerful you, you were built to be. So please don't give up on yourself. It's just a lifestyle tweak that once you make it, you will totally see just how powerful you are. Wonderful. Thanks again, guys. The book is Fast Like a Girl. So you can go on Amazon and check that out. Thanks again, Dr. Mindy. Be blessed, yeah, thank everybody. Thank you, David. Appreciate you. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.